and welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and True Specs, Chris McCormick. Before we dive into this week's gear topics, we wanted to share a message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped for 10% off our spotlight components. That's fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped. This week, we'll be adding a product from Phil's winning bag, so be sure to check it out. Fairway Jockey, custom equipment, premium build. Guys, we have a PGA Championship winner, and he actually has the ability to play on two tours. Not the European and PGA, but the PGA Tour champions and the PGA Tour. Mr. Phil Mickelson at 50 is your champion. I, I still, that just sounds crazy to say Phil at 50 wins a major. I thought he was basically ready to like call it quits and go over to the champions on a more regular basis. And now he's getting a five-year exemption to the U.S. Open. Possible chance he makes the Ryder Cup again as a player, not as an assistant. It, it's wild times. I feel like this is like the perfect win for everything we've gone through in like the last year with COVID. Just, just chaos at Kiowa. Just Absolutely like said, incredible. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. incredible to see. 50 years old. It kind of just shows you, you know, what you can really get done when you put your mind to something for like four or five years. I mean, he completely switched around his game, his mental state, his equipment, his diet. Like he put everything into getting his game back in shape and he pulled it off. He looked great on Sunday. Chris, what'd you think? Yeah, it was, it was impressive to watch. It was, it really was. I mean, I, I kind of had like that pinch me moment as you're watching him over the last couple of holes. And I'm like, is this really happening? Is, is he really going to, to win a sixth major? I, I, again, I thought, I thought Phil was done, but maybe there is something in that coffee that he drinks. Um, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more about the coffee the next time we see Phil. Um, he was doing late night tweeting. Um, what did he say? Like half lit. I mean, he Phil was like he was just, turning up on Twitter. He, Phil was turning up on Twitter. He was he was talking. He was he was chirping back at the masses, having some fun um, in typical Phil style. I'm sure he had more than uh, than a couple of glasses of wine, probably a couple bottles. But again, congratulations to Phil Mickelson. An unbelievable win. Got to be up there. I mean, Tiger's win at the Masters is is one of the the most emotional for I think for for all of us here on the pod. Yep. Um, this one was was up there. It, it's it was just again really cool to see Phil Mickelson win another major and, and get back on top. But where you, know, you rank it, number Phil two, winning, number two all time, all time win? Uh, no, I mean I I think. There, there have been. I mean, we could get into like a whole pot about like where where it ranks. You know, I mean, Nick winning at the Jack, Masters. Yeah, yeah. Eighty six. Eighty six. Jack was was amazing. I mean, the thing is, is like I was, I was a baby at that point. You know, Tursky, were you even born? No, I wasn't. I wasn't born you for four born. more years. I was born, born in nineteen ninety. So, I mean, we're talking about how great eighty six is. Neither one of us got to witness it in person. They got Chris, the YouTube did videos. You, did you witness eighty six in person? Uh, no, I was born in eighty two. Yeah. Okay. See, so th- we're we're all in the same boat here. We're talking about how great eighty six is, and we never even witnessed it in person. Um, I still think eighty six watching the replays is is pretty special. I would, you know, me personally, I, I would say Tiger winning. 
in in 19 was was probably tops. I, I've I've never felt that emotional about about a golf tournament, especially since going to the media side. It you know you kind of are a little bit more desensitized to how great some of these accomplishments are. But that that one definitely hit me. So. It, but it's up there. Phil Winnings is is pretty pretty special, and and I think a lot of other people would agree. Just you know the kind of the ebbs and flows of golf. You you kind of get to that point in your career where you maybe don't think you're going to be able to be in contention on the PGA Tour anymore, and somehow some way you make it happen. And, and Phil especially makes it at happen. Kiowa, especially at Kiowa, like no one really thought that he was going to be a yeah, contender there. Like of all the courses. But as I'm watching on Sunday, like all those fall offs and false fronts and the tough shots around the greens, like it almost made sense. I mean, he was pulling yeah. pulling stuff out on Sunday that it yeah. was like, okay, short, Phil's short still game got the was short game. Short game was on display, um, but Phil was also hitting bombs, <laughs> bombs right on Brooks' gotta, forehead. We got it. We got to yes. get. We got to get into this, Phil. Phil did what Phil usually does. He made some changes the week of a major and mm-hmm. he goes on to win the same week that he makes these changes. This this kind of to me had a little bit of a of a 2006 Masters vibe to it, the year that he won with two drivers. You know, Phil like pulls out all the stops at a major just to try and and gain an edge like he normally does and he he somehow pulls it off. If you didn't read the story, um, we we got the scoop before anybody else. Wouldn't call it an exclusive, but um, we definitely were ahead of everybody else on this one. So everybody knew that that Phil had switched drivers. There were there were a couple people that pointed it out, but the the big story here is that he used a forty seven point nine inch Callaway Epic Speed prototype. This this bad boy had six degrees of loft. But it was actually bumped all the way down to five point five. We're we're getting into Bryson territory, boys. Yes, um, we are. It, it's it's one of those drivers that that for me, you're going, man. I mean, Phil, really? Do you really need this club? But but they they being Callaway's engineering team working behind the scenes. This this to me seemed a lot like Frankenwood that that Phil put in play at the at the 2013 Masters. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to get it done in a tight window. They wanted to get it for the masters, couldn't get it done. So what do they do? They, they target the PGA championship and, and Phil actually, the reason why he put it in play was because he knows the dispersion on this driver was actually pretty tight, which to me, I mean, if Phil's bombing a f- almost a nearly a 48 inch driver, one sixteenth of an inch away from being at the legal limit, he's bombing it with, with a tight dispersion. It's a layup. You're you're putting that Why in the bag. Not? I mean, the Why length not? didn't surprise me. Phil's been trying to work a long driver in the bag for a while, so it was really just about yes. making the head kind of match up with what he wanted. Yep, and the shaft too. Um, you know, we we heard we talked about Phil then the last year. He put a he put a long driver in in the bag at the Masters. It didn't work out. Um, tried it in advance of the Masters. It did not work out. Um, <laughs> His accuracy numbers were were abysmal. If I'm if I'm just I mean that's that's probably being kind, but what really kind of changed the game for <laughs> Phil was a couple of things. He gets a lighter head, which we've talked about this, and, and you know Chris has talked about this too, being being the the expert here from the fitting perspective. But if you're going longer, you you can't just use the same driver head, and. If you are like Tursky and I did when we tested 48-inch drivers, 
it feels like a freaking sledgehammer. It's <laughs> so heavy. The the swing weight is just totally different because you're going longer with with the heavier head. So what do you have to do to try and get it back to to somewhat closer to what you were playing? You've got to go lighter. And Phil was at 188 188 grams on this driver head. Typical driver heads. I talked to Jacob Davidson from Callaway. He says usually around 196 to 200. So a pretty significant, you know, drop in head weight. And the other change, the one that I feel like didn't get a whole lot of talk, but Fujikura built him a custom 48 inch shaft. Um, they they just they being the the Callaway Tour rep said it was just so difficult to try and get a longer <clears throat> shaft because with this one it was uh, I think they said the like the full again the full build was 49.9375 inches. Uh, it's a Fujikura Ventus Black 6TX. It's totally like I said custom made for Phil. Um, this shaft is untipped. So instead of removing any material from the tip of the shaft, it, it's it's completely untipped. And they said that this is the equivalent, this untipped 48-inch blank is the equivalent of tipping a standard Ventus Black X two inches. That's still too Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris, as Chris said, that is aggressive. But... You know, Phil wanted uh, to still get low spin characteristics. He's he's trying to get 1900 on on the draws and 2400 on on his cuts or slash fades, and he was able to make it happen. This is it's interesting though. This, so this is what I thought of after Phil won. How many guys are trying 48 again this week simply because Phil won? You almost have to. You almost have to try it again, especially if you're kind of in that older crowd. It's like. Look what Phil just did. He dropped absolute mail on Brooks on that 16th hole. When Brooks ripped one down there, 361, it felt like he still had a chance. And then Phil came right over the top of him, 366. All the work with that driver for the last, like, eight months, it felt like it paid off in that moment. Like, that felt like the winning shot to me. It was like, okay, this is probably over. Phil's Phil's crazy down the stretch. He's had a couple sketchy moments on Sunday, but – (laughs) <laughs> he got that thing done, man. I was so nervous throughout the entire Sunday. How are you guys feeling? It's the same. I, uh, I, I kept, I kept hoping that he would be able to hold on to it and, and not let the pressure get to him. And I, every tee shot was nerve wracking. It's just like, Oh, please pull it off. Please pull it off. Please pull it off. <laughs> it's like, is this I, the if, one he's going to snipe else, OB or <laughs> what's going to happen here? exactly exactly i kept i kept waiting for it and going oh come on and then every me executed it's just like all right just next hole let's keep going let's keep going because you never really worry about the the iron play or the short game play usually a good putter but yeah off the tee it's always a little little worrisome how are you feeling jay yeah. were you were you rooting for the fellow lefty of course i was I, I, you know, I, I, th- I thought that was the, the best story of, of the week. I was, I'm always looking for the best storyline, and, and Phil winning <clears throat> by far would have been the best one. But yeah, I mean, when when Phil when Phil drops a shot early and Brooks picks it up, you kind of wonder, you yep. know, is this is this the beginning of the end for Phil's run? Is is the magic coming to an end? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, like, yeah, it just seemed like nobody really like got it going that's what you just started to realize like as the round progressed is like nobody was making a move 
and and when somebody did, they would give the, they would give it right back on the next hole or the hole after that. So yeah, uh, you know, initially, but I I think I kind of started to see like if Phil's got a three or four shot lead as he goes to the back, you know, I I I could see him. I mean, he's got the clubs in the bag. He doesn't have to hit driver, and we'll get into this next. He doesn't have to hit driver off the tee. He can hit this this little two wood that he had mini driver. It, did you see? Did you see his Manny so his driver. odds? And I I wrote about this at the at the beginning of of uh, a story. I guess it was maybe like a couple of days ago, talking about Phil's odds were two hundred and fifty to one. I would imagine that his odds of what he did on Saturday and Sunday were probably a lot higher because he broke two clubs. <laughs> He the broke two clubs. The odds of the odds of him doing that, he so he breaks his two wood. It's a tailor made original one mini driver. Yes, it is tailor made. It's not Callaway. A lot of people didn't realize that he's been using it for a little while. Tursky and I have been tracking it. Yep. Um, he's he's used that club in the past, the tailor made version, and um, you know it's just a club. You know Callaway gives him that ability. You know they've talked about that before. They give him the ability if he if he likes something that's not a Callaway club, he kind of gets a freebie to to use it, and Callaway then gets the opportunity to make something that's better and put it in Phil's hands, and that's what that's what I'm assuming they're probably doing behind the scenes right now. So he breaks the two wood, but whew, he's got a backup. We're good, except for he gets <laughs> on the practice tee on Sunday in 15 minutes before his tee time. He cracks the face on a 16 degree utility iron. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, that's that you would feel. I mean, if I was Phil, I'd be like, dude, this is this is some bad luck right here. <laughs> so now, now, now I'm throwing a new two wood in the bag on Sunday, and I'm also throwing in a completely different club because Phil did not have a backup to that 16 degree Callaway utility iron. So he had to go with the four wood, a, a Callaway Maverick Sub Zero four wood in its place. And it ends up working out, but. That I mean, that's tough. I mean, think about it, guys. What what would your nerves be at? What what level if you had to throw in two new clubs in the bag on Sunday? Especially championship. Especially those are like his kind of fallback clubs off the tee when he doesn't want to hit driver. You know, so those are yeah, like yeah. his go tos where he needs to hit a fairway. And Sunday at a major, it's like you're relying on those clubs. I would be bugging out. But luck, luckily for him, he had. He had something where he could fill it in in the bag, and he had a replacement for that mini driver. Um, you know, most of us, we'd be playing with 12 clubs, or we'd have to buy something in the pro shop. So. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. But pros do have some backups. It's It was just a weird situation, and, and I want to discuss this. So the reason that we found out about the cracked face on this quote-unquote one iron was because Dottie Pepper, who's an on-course reporter for CBS, was walking to the third tee and Tim Mickelson, Phil's brother slash caddy, kind of mentioned to her in passing that that the face cracked and they had to put in a forward. And so there was all this commotion, you know, Nablo, Faldo, everybody's like talking about it. And they, they kind of were like, oh, you know, that one iron was such a great club. But here's, here's my thing. And I pointed this out on social media. And, and I'm not saying I want this job. That was not the intention with, with this tweet that I sent out. But, you know, 
I feel like it's I feel like it's the duty of the broadcast team to to kind of clue in the casual sports fan who's watching so they know what the heck is going on because they when they say a one iron if you're like a regular golfer maybe you're thinking like man Phil's still using a regular like a straight up one iron like maybe you don't know that it's a utility iron mm-hmm. and maybe you don't know the differences between a utility iron and a and a solid construction one iron there's a huge difference that that quote unquote one iron is a two piece golf club with a cup face you know what else has a cup face guys Fairway woods and hybrids <laughs> that are made by Callaway. That that face is is ultra thin and red hot. And if you're a player like Mickelson who's hitting it consistently in the same spot, it has a higher likelihood of caving in or him flattening the face on a two wood like he did with the mini driver. I just I wish they would like have somebody like Mike Pereira on the NFL broadcast who they can like bring in to kind of add some color and a little bit of clarity to some of these, you know, decisions when the refs are going to, you know, go into New York to try and get a decision. I wish that they would like just have somebody there to just offer a little bit of insight. That's me. I'm getting off my soapbox, but that did bother me. You're just trying to get on the next, uh, PGA broadcast. <laughs> we, we know what you're doing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. I just wanted to say that they need to get somebody in there who knows what's going on. That's it. I think to to shoot Dottie some bail though, like Tim basically just told her in passing that the the face of the one iron cracked. Like I don't think she really knew what was even in his, in his bag. And me and you were kind of confused. Like, wait a second, he doesn't even have a one iron in his bag. Um, so we didn't really know what she was talking about. And then we heard the the face of his mini driver caved and it was like, wait, did she mean that? So the the clarification on the broadcast was not in a good spot. And she was kind no, of just I, relaying I, like what Tim told her exclusively. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, look, I, I, I agree. The, the whole situation was really weird. I think we both know all of us here on this on this pod know why Tim didn't tell Dottie that the two would had a, a face that flattened. It's a tailor-made golf club. Yeah. So he probably yeah. not. Didn't want to shine the light on of, that one. Yeah. Don't worry. We, we did that for you. <laughs> we did that for you, Phil. Um, so uh, again, yeah, we, we actually broke that. Everybody was talking about the, the one iron and we ended up discussing the, the two wood. and Phil did confirm it after, after the round that, that it did flatten. But again, well, technically Phil times, broke it. Like, Phil broke it. Yes. Phil broke it. broke it. Phil, <laughs> Phil broke it. He did. He did break it. Yeah, we broke the it, story. It, it, he it, broke it. the club. There we go. There we go. There. We, exactly. Good. That's 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 probably a bad probably pun. good enough. Probably good enough on on that one. Um, it, but again, it just it was just kind of a wild ending. Phil wins at fifty, and he does it by by cracking the face on two different golf clubs over the weekend. It just sometimes you just can't. You can't script it like that. So that was by far the biggest story of the week. A couple stories that I did want to point out. Dustin Johnson, he did go to the LAGP driver shaft. So that's that's now two LAGP shafts, one in his driver and one in the putter. We officially have fire now. It's not just smoke. It's we officially have fire now. The putter that he doesn't know the name of. I'm going to keep saying that until somebody... Somebody knows that I'm that I'm pointing that out. That story still kills me. That that DJ didn't even know. It's silver. It's a, it's a tailor it's a made. Tailor made. 
That's it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that's that's kind of like the other big story I'd say, just because DJ is is usually a, a pretty hot topic anytime that he makes a change. We'll see if the driver shaft stays in play. The one other story that that is worth pointing out is a funny one. You always wonder, do pros get everything for free? They do, for the most part. Except when you really want a driver shaft and you can't get one for free. Then you go out and you buy it. And, and uh, Brandon Grace, he went and bought two autoflex shafts. <laughs> one for his driver and one for his three-wood. Do you know how much the driver shaft costs? I guess I kind of forgot. We were in like this autoflex mode and I knew the price. And then I saw it again when I went looking. It's eight hundred dollars for the driver shaft. Eight hundred bills, eight eight bills. So he he spent he spent over a G on two shafts. Easy. I love those stories when pros like go into a Dick Sporting Goods or like you know they go into a PGA. Shout out KJ Choi. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think uh, Furyk yeah. did it one year. There's there's been a bunch of circumstances when where, he won the when he won the tour champ. He won the FedEx Cup. He won the FedEx Cup with a with a Yes Sophia that had a had a dent on the top. Somebody brought in like a dented putter. It had a dent on the on the top line and he used that. That was his alignment aid. Was that dent? It was Buying in like eBay putters with dents on him. You got to He love won that. the FedEx Cup with a putter that he found how to play it against like a play it against sports. It's just I remember that. It's so That's great. Funny. That's probably like number 1 on the on like, you know, most impactful equipment change that came from a secondhand sporting goods store. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. This there there are some good ones if you do a little bit of digging. But uh, again, those were the biggies from last week. We'll see if anybody tries forty eight. I I do think there might be a couple guys that that try and pull a fill, and and see what happens. Although this is not the week to do it. Colonial is is such a tight golf course that that you probably don't want to. Maybe you wait a week and and try it at Jack's place. They're they're gonna get. I think they're gonna be in a rude for a rude awakening. Jack's place is probably gonna be. It had a, had a complete uh, facelift, so it's going to be tough as usual, but it's probably a better track for a 48-inch driver. So we'll see what happens there. Um, well, this isn't, a, this isn't gear-related, but <laughs> there were some pretty uh, viral stories that involved uh, one Brooks Kepka. So there's, yes. there, is a, there is a picture after the round, after Phil wins, handing – Brooks a scorecard. Now it looks like he's handing him just a piece of paper, and some people said, you know, and you know, kind of put words in Phil's mouth that Phil was saying something to Brooks in the, in that you know still shot of you know here's the autograph kid because if you go all the way back, Brooks and Phil played together in the final round, but Brooks during the Masters when Brooks was a kid, he cut the ropes and went to the parking lot, and Phil turned him down for an autograph and basically said kid you're not supposed to be here and All Brooks brought snub. it up and he still he still seemed a little bit salty I gotta say like I don't know if Brooks is quite over that one Brooks so, seems like the type of guy to like hold on to stuff he gets salty about a lot yeah yeah I, I think I think he likes to like hold and protect his grudges like little pets dude like mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I, but you know what hey you know who you know who he reminds me of a lot and you're you're gonna think I'm crazy because because I'm gonna compare him to a goat if you say Jordan, I'm not going to be happy. Jordan, Jordan. they do both think, have like think, weird killer they, instincts, and they hold on to stuff. And they weird. hold on to these like these like grudges that really aren't there. Like 
I'm sure that Phil doesn't like Phil probably doesn't remember it. Brooks definitely does, but it like I I'm, it just seems like it bothers him, and he kind of uses it as fuel sometimes. Like this dude stiffed me on an autograph when I was. 12 years old so you know hey asshole i'm gonna be coming for you now he didn't get the best to fill um although it's like if you would have won at kiwa do you think he would have had some sort of jab about the about the autograph absolutely. situation absolutely absolutely yeah, guaranteed absolutely he was probably thinking about it the whole round he was like looking at him as phil tees off like you sob you ducked me on that yeah. autograph when i was eight. i want to beat you so bad so yeah, it he, was, he even it was, made the comment. He's like, I'm probably the only kid that got shot down by Phil for an autograph. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna have to say, yeah he's he's the only one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not only the only one. one, but but it was at the Masters in the parking lot. I'm just surprised he even made it there in the first place. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, but it's not the only story involving Brooks Kepka. And here's here's where things get really weird, guys. <laughs> so, so absurd. This this is really absurd. So people may, may may or may not know that Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau have some beef. And it Real beef. it dates it dates back to, to 2019 when when Brooks criticized Bryson for his slow play in a tour event. And Bryson showed up at a at a, an event shortly thereafter and and saw Brooks's caddy. And basically said, "Hey, tell tell your boss if he's got something to say, say it to my face." And you know, like Brooks came over, spicy, talked to him, and they seemed to kind of smooth things over. They were on a podcast, and uh, Bryson joked about, you know, let's be honest. I think it was it was like, let's be honest. We know who would win a win in a fight, and it's not me. And Brooks said, like, you got that right. And that was it. Was just kind of like like. It seemed lighthearted, like they had sort of like buried the hatchet a little bit. But again, we're talking about Brooks Kepka and grudges. And then we had the whole body issue where Brooks was in there and, and Bryson kind of pokes fun at him not having a six pack. Maybe it's like a four pack or no abs. Um the why why am I why am I telling you all this? It's it's a table setter for what happened. So Brooks is getting interviewed by um, by one of the by one of the Golf Channel reporters. Todd Lewis, I think. Todd, it was yeah, it was Todd Lewis. Thank you. And Bryson walks behind him, and what happens? He rolls his eyes as Bryson. Now somebody also said that he cursed. I have I didn't see that. Like Kurt kind of cursed under his breath. Did, did Who cursed Brooks? Know? Like here, Brooks. Oh yeah. Brooks definitely cursed. So he like he sees Bryson kind of walking up and he's eye rolling before this interview even starts. And then yeah. Todd starts asking eye questions hard. like eye rolling him into the stratosphere. Like to the absolute <laughs> moon. Like the hardest <laughs> eye roll I've ever seen in my life. It's like a six year old kid whose mom's telling him, Go take out the trash, and he just hit him with the hardest eye roll. So then Todd starts asking him, you know, whatever, about the round. He starts going into it. And Bryson's walking up and he is clanking because he's walking with his metal spikes on the concrete. And Brooks kind of gets distracted and he's like, I lost my, I lost my train of thought. So they kind of cut the interview and Brooks, he's like, this is BS. He says the actual, he's like, this is bullshit. And then he's like, Jesus effing Christ. Like, I can't deal with this as Bryson walks behind him. 
Now, people on social media, they were they thought that Bryson had said something that set him off, but he didn't. Bryson was just like talking to his caddy about the round, about his shots that he hit on 17 and 18. I've listened to this audio like 85 times. He was just recalling his shots from 17 and 18. He didn't say anything to Brooks. Brooks was just mad that he was talking and that and that the metal spikes were just clanking against the concrete which to be fair to brooks that is one of the worst sounds that is just nails on a chalkboard it is do you guys think metal spikes should be banned by the way like i think it might be time to let them go no i i I still kind of like having some of those old school uh kind of tendencies i you know still still feel i mean we're not going back to persimmon or balada it still feels like that's like the last little bit of of the old school game that's still around. I mean, I know it's tough on the greens and and whatnot, but there aren't a ton of guys. You know, Tiger still wears the the medal. There are, there are there there are some guys out there, but there are they're kind of few and far between now. I think it's coming. I I would agree with Tursky. Maybe it's going to go the way of the um, the you know the anchored putter. Maybe they eventually just say, hey, no more. Yeah, but. We'll see what happens, but it was it was just it was a weird it was a weird interaction. So weird, um, and it was like a leaked interview. They meant to cut it, and I think they redid yeah. the interview like after Bryson walked away. But someone so leaked it. so do we know where it came from? Somebody leaked it out, but then it's like as quickly as it was out there, um, I saw on on whoever posted it like the it got taken down because it said because of copyright issues. But you know, with the internet, everybody had already ripped the video anyway, so it's. Still hanging out there in cyberspace. If you wanna, if you wanna find it, but yeah, when it got taken down, the, it had like seven million views on it. Like it had yeah, already been yeah. memed to death. I mean, people are making yeah. remixes and <laughs> and techno remixes, rap remixes. Like it's the funniest thing ever. And yeah, I'm not was, sure if Brooks weird. is uh, upset that it leaked. I'm I'm sure Bryson's not too happy with uh, with the whole yeah. thing. Like they have serious beef now. I mean, there's like no getting oh, around man. it. They have it's to. so good though because we don't like we don't have any any real beef anymore in in pro golf. It always kind of felt like Tiger was, you know, there was somebody out there that he wasn't really. And Tiger was a lot like MJ too, where you know somebody would say something and like that was that Tiger locked it up, and next time he saw you on the golf course, he was going to crush you. Yeah. But I'm I'm loving it, dude. Like we need we need some like we need some bad blood and some beef out there. Like this is what pro golf needs. Um, we got I, it. I, I really hope I really hope that these two like go head to head in a final round at some point, like in the near future. It'd be awesome. Maybe maybe at Tory. Oh, at Tory. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> oh man, be so oh, good. Oh, and then did you so did if- you see that Bryson posted uh, a video of him like curling hundred pound dumbbells like right after that? Yeah. That went out. Yep. I yeah. wonder if he knew I don't, that I don't the Brooks th- I don't video think that existed. Was on like, was that a, yeah, I don't think it. It couldn't have been. The timing was too perfect. He's curling these 100-pound dumbbells. Come on, Bryce. It would have been better if there was a uh, if there was like a a, a uh, like a fathead sticker of Brooks Kepka on the side yes. of the dumbbell. Yes. In 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 the middle of the zeros. <laughs> or he's hitting the punching bag with his face on it. Yeah, yeah. It's anyway. B- oh, bad bad blood up. is good in this case. I'm 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 very happy that this is a thing. Golf refutes. Long, long may the Brooks and Bryce and beef continue. I I hope I hope it's a thing for the next uh, for the next decade. I'll tell you um, what though, so these two might have to these they like might have to fight because if you get eye rolled that hard, 
I mean, it's <laughs> not enough. It's let's, not let's enough get him to in win the, o- the U.S. Let's Open. get him in the octagon. Let's get him in the octagon. Let him go. Let him go. Let's do oh, a little there's, MMA. There's pay-per-view right there. Let's Logan Paul yeah. Floyd Mayweather this thing. I was about to say, pick up, pick up Floyd. Let him fight. Let's do the undercard. Let's do the undercard, and it's going to be Bryson versus Brooks. I support. I support. I, mean, I know I Brooks know is down, too. I know Brooks is down, too. All you got to do is yeah, get I'm, Bryson. Oh, I'm sure he's down. I'm sure he's down. He almost knocked him out right there at the course, right at Kiowa. We're going from the hilarity of of Brooks and Bryson uh, to something that that is like probably one of the cool stories that unfortunately kind of just I, I feel like it was it was publicized but maybe not as much as it should have been. Tursky was there. He was at the Let Them Play Classic. This is probably one of the coolest golf stories I've I've heard in a while. Um, I'll let. Tursky kind of set the table for this because you were out there. Why? Why were there a bunch of female collegiate golfers playing a tournament in Arizona last week? Yeah. So, um, you know, before we get into this week's interview with Riggs, I don't know if if our listeners know. Riggs. Well, you got to tell them who Riggs is for those who aren't going to know. I know. Well, for those who uh, who know of Barstool Sports, it's going to be tough to explain who Riggs is if you don't know Barstool Sports at all. But he, uh, he's the he's, of Barstool Sports. Most people know what Barstool Sports is, but he answered golf coverage. Yeah, he, he does all the, uh, the golf coverage, started the four-play podcast. And, um, you know, basically during the Baton Rouge Regional, the NCAA um, came out and they declared the course unplayable for the NCAA Women's Regional event. And really, the course was playable. They came out and they said it was playable, just not under championship condition. And so basically, six people had six um, teams had already qualified, and the twelve teams it was, it was, the top, was the top six teams, right? They just took the top six seeds, from, right, from the re, from from that you know region. And then there were twelve teams that were trying to advance to qualify, but they didn't even give them a chance. They were like, okay, the top six teams. They move on, and the 12 teams basically sent home crying in the parking lot. It was like a devastating video, really devastating decision, and Riggs and the Barstool Sports team kind of came in to help, and and they were like, this is not going down this way. We're not going to let these girls have their season ripped from them in the parking lot in tears, so they wanted to give them an event to kind of go out the right way on the season, you know, because you have seniors on the team, that's their last chance to compete they just got off a, a season where where covid happened and you know two years in a row ripped right from them so um huge shout out Riggs and the barstool sports team the the video goes goes viral in mid-may and by last thursday last friday um what was that may 25th they already put an entire collegiate event together and they got custom let them play classic logos banners hats they're giving out shirts um they got custom flag sticks you know t markers leaderboards like it's a real college event um the fact that they made that happen so quickly was just so so cool um and we actually had a chance Riggs was kind enough to come on the uh the fully equipped podcast to talk about it so i sat down with him and and got to kick it with him and and learn about the event how it all came together so quickly and uh, for those who who don't know Riggs, they probably don't know that the the four play podcast signed a deal with TaylorMade, so we already got we got the scoop on that as well. Um, 
So just just a really fun event. I know producer Mark was there. Producer Mark, I don't know if you want to chime in at all with your thoughts before we get into the interview. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. You saw people there that have been around golf for a long time, like uh, the head of Troon's uh, VP of marketing that we had a chance to talk to afterwards, Riggs himself. These guys literally had goosebumps on their arms. It was just Mm -hmm. an absolutely incredible scenario. And these girls couldn't have been more thankful and just more in awe of the fact that people actually cared about them, which I just think speaks volumes to what Barstool did and volumes to the, uh, the future of golf. Yeah, the support of women's golf is great. And, you know, at a lot of college events, you know, when, when people come off the course, they're sometimes they're upset, they're throwing things, they're cursing out the course, you know, this is terrible, can't wait to go home. It was none of that. It was all positive energy. Everyone's hugging, crying from happiness that they were able to end their season out in Arizona having so much fun instead of what happened to Baton Rouge. Um, but Riggs kind of talks about how it all came together. And uh, let's get into that interview now. Commissioner Riggs from Barstool Sports. Welcome to Golf.com's Fully Equipped Podcast, man. Appreciate the time. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming out here. It's uh, it's nice to be here. You know, usually we're geeking out on golf equipment on this <laughs> uh, on this show, but the Let Them Play Classic is such a unique event, such a unique circumstance where everyone is kind of coming together around NCAA women's golf, and you're kind of leading that charge. What does that feel like for you, and what does it mean for you to be able to provide this opportunity to let them play after that heartbreak in Baton Rouge? Yeah, I mean it's awesome. Um, the you know look like women's women's sports don't get enough coverage in general. Uh, hand up, but you know I don't cover women's sports enough, uh, especially women's college golf. I mean mm-hmm. uh, almost nobody covers it, or very few people cover it. Um, and they know that the players know that, the coaches know that, the the parents know that. So anytime you can kind of shine a, a little bit of a light, give a, a spotlight to something that, uh, that that clearly deserves to be covered more um, but isn't it's it's gonna be a good thing and it's gonna feel good if you could be a part of that so uh, I know they're thrilled I know the golf has been off the charts I think our leaders seven or eight under right yeah, now we'll see. eight under yeah we'll serious see golf out here so it's good they're good they've been striping tee shots off the first tee uh, we had you know play that was already scheduled before our event this morning so we had kind of just kind of some some weekend golfers going off before um, you know, a bunch of 30-year-old men playing from the same tees, and not one of them hit it anywhere near where uh, a lot of these these ladies were hitting it. So uh, the golf's really good. It's been fun to watch, and it's just awesome that they get to play. You've been, like, super involved, you know, talking to all the players, all the coaches, announcing on the first tee. That's, like, super commendable. What, you know, what does that mean to you to be able to be that involved and talk to everyone personally and see their reactions? Yeah, I mean, I we wanted to put on an event, obviously. Uh, we wanted to give them something to play for. We wanted to allow them just at least a venue, a, a stop, something to finish you know, their seasons, for some of them, their careers. Um, but then once we knew we were going to do it, we also wanted to try to make it special. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we didn't want it to just feel like somebody did the bare minimum. You know, we wanted it to have the little touches that it takes to kind of um, feel important and special and have cool photo ops and cool memories. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be involved without taking away, you know, from, from them, from the players, because that's what it's about. But announcing them on the tee, I know they enjoy that. They get cool <laughs> clips. Um, and, and, you know, we have some fun with them when they come up to the tee. And a lot of these a lot of these girls now, I mean, they've been here for three days. We've been around, so they kind of give me a hard time, bust my balls a little bit. I, I like to chirp them a little bit. Um, that's just kind of my personality. And, you know, you start to learn and meet a good amount of them by name, and, and you meet their parents or their coaches, and, and everybody's kind of here to have a good time. That's what sports are about. That's what locker rooms are about is uh, you kind of get to know each other better. And, and 
any group of buddies, whether they're gals, guys, whoever, when you're out on the course, you usually give each other a pretty hard time the whole the whole time. So we've kind of developed that uh, rapport a little bit with a good amount of them. So so it's fun being on the tee with them now, and, and like I said, giving them a little bit of a hard time and taking taking swings of their names, you know, if they're <laughs> if they're a little difficult. So it's been just a ton of fun, honestly. The uh, the first tee announcements, like at the Masters, the Open Championship, they're all different. How did you come up with your own? little cadence was that something you thought about yeah i did i thought about trying to do something a little clever with like let you know we're gonna now let them play um but i thought doing that like 47 times you know <laughs> times three would maybe get a little bit old it'd be yeah. maybe a funny quip at once so so i just thought keep it simple you know again not trying to make it like about us or about me um kind of make it about them so just, yeah let them know what they're playing in you know they'll let them play classic um and make sure you know their school they're representing because that's a big part of it mm -hmm. and uh and get their names out there because they deserve it this wasn't really something that you and Barstool like had in the works. You weren't planning it for months like I'm sure you do at the Barstool Classic events. How did you actually make this come together so quickly? I mean, you have like custom logos and hats and the flag sticks are custom and you know, how did you bring all that stuff together so quick? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got an incredible team and it's been um, just a super collaborative effort uh, across the board to get this done. From finding a venue to finding sponsors, you know, that those all take teams, right? It takes teams to find uh, venue and, and I went to kind of Troon North. I went to or Troon Golf in general, uh, and and you know reached out to them. They've got a ton of different properties, so they were able to kind of within their team try to find a spot. And then now once they locked in on Whirlwind, their team uh, Drew Louie, a bunch of the folks here kind of working together to get stuff done. The superintendent uh, and the same with us at Barstool. I mean we've got a bunch of different departments you know that that we work with that have all mobilized and and gotten stuff done um, we've got our PR department out here right now that's like setting us up with you guys to get more attention on this whole thing we got our merchandise team that came up with gear that we could put on the website so we could raise a little bit more money to cover expenses our business team locked in those sponsors our events team obviously put this whole thing on our content team's been behind it to kind of get out there and get uh, you know more eyeballs and, and ears on this whole thing so um, it's been our finance team to obviously get approval for everything so it's just been an outrageously collaborative effort it gives me a ton of faith in people just how mm -hmm. many folks have stepped up and sacrificed their time committed their time and efforts to getting stuff done nobody's bitched about it the whole time nobody's complained everybody's just been happy to kind of like you know get over each hurdle and then whenever they see another one what can we do to get over that one and, and ultimately just make it happen i mean it's not rocket science we're, we're just basically providing a venue for them to play golf and trying to do little things to make it feel special so there are signage companies that exist and we just hound them until they say they can get a sign done in two days <laughs> and there's trophy companies that exist and you know we went into a trophy store the other day and the guys you know mocked everything up picked out the ones that we liked he's like yeah it's usually about a you know even on a rush order it's about a five to seven day we're like no we need it tomorrow He's like, well, we're really busy. No, we just need it tomorrow. Like, that's <laughs> fine. Like, it just has to be tomorrow. So, uh -huh. and the guy's like, well, you know, maybe. And no, it's just, it just has to be tomorrow. That's it. And he's like, all right, we'll get it by tomorrow. So, you just kind of like, people can get stuff done. We live in a, um, a society now where there's been a lot of technology and innovation, and you can just kind of get stuff done. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, just talking to the right people and hounding folks until they, until they do. And you know, we put a nice video together for. Uh, for all the ladies on on Wednesday evening, that uh, was the same deal. I just kept hounding people until they sent me a video, and ultimately got you know 20 or 30 people to submit videos, and and our uh, production team was on it, edited it up really quickly, and got it done. So uh, we're a nimble company. We always have been, and and when we focus our efforts on stuff, we can usually get stuff done pretty quickly. Yeah. 
That was a great video, by the way. I got Justin Thomas in there, Scott Van Pelt, Michelle Lee. Shot yeah, I laughed them. at the beginning because JT was the first one that popped in, and you could hear the whole crowd, oh, like JT, <laughs> they, they had no idea it was coming. So JT moves the needle, clearly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you get pushback from the NCAA? I know, like, they're not the easiest to work with and get clearance, and I know you guys are paying basically the full freight for all these ladies to come out, give them rooms and flight and food. and You know, was it tough getting that clearance? The NCAA uh, for us is you know, since kind of we got involved, um, really hasn't been an issue. And, and we haven't really worked with him directly, per se. I mean, we hired outside counsel, a guy by the name of John Long, who's been awesome, who specializes in NCA compliance, um, who's been, you know, helping us get over any hurdles that have kind of been in the way. Uh, and then compliance offices. So Mississippi State, which is obviously a huge program, SEC program, uh, and Purdue, the two compliance offices there. This guy, Steve Smith from uh, from Mississippi State's been awesome and he deals with the NCAA they have great relationships with those folks they you know they kind of battle compliance all the time and um, and they essentially got got answers for us when we needed them and got the the couple things that we needed to get uh, approval to pay for you know every single player's expenses the coaches expenses and make sure that wasn't going to be a roadblock for anybody to attend so um, so yeah they, they were big in stepping up and getting that stuff done and you know we've been kind of joking that the guy Steve Smith was running through the offices and, and hallways at Mississippi State with like big compliance news and like if you're a compliance guy this is his Super Bowl like this is the compliance Super Bowl he got this approved and he's all jacked up about it and it's like he's pumped because usually the news that he gives to people is is bad news it's like you can't do this yeah. you can't do that um, and he worked really hard to get the uh, to get you know the information out there and to get the the, the approvals out there so um, so it was huge that they worked that hard. Mm -hmm. When you started the Four Play podcast and kind of the Barstool Golf platform in general, I'm sure it was kind of tough to kind of break into that golf world, and now you're getting so much support. What do you think was, like, that turning point for Barstool for you in terms of uh, kind of taking over the, the golf world? I mean, you guys are big golf media celebrities now. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, time was big just because, you know, people realize who we are. I mean, we're just – and now at this point we've expanded and grown, but, you know, we're just four pretty normal guys on the show that – None of us play competitive golf. Um, most of us, you know, a lot of the time we stink at golf. Ninety-something uh, <laughs> percent of people that play golf stink at golf. Like, yeah, go look at the facts. handicaps. Like, people, people don't break 90, like, 90% of the time. So, golf's really hard, um, and and it's still awesome, and people still love it, and the culture around it, and the jokes around it. Uh, and so, I think, you know, the more people have kind of gotten to know us and, and see us in different places have realized mostly that we're just like them, um, except we do a show together. So that's been big. And the USGA was huge for us. USGA invited us out to Shinnecock, mm -hmm. uh, allowed Dave, my boss, to do the Mulligan Challenge in 2018, which people <laughs> thought was crazy um, for him to be hitting. You know, I think he took 300-something Mulligans at Shinnecock <laughs> Hills three weeks before the U.S. Open. Insane video. Uh, so Craig, funny. Yeah, Craig Annis, who runs a, you know, a lot of their branding, he's branding officer there, took a big risk and invited us out there. And and we become really good friends with him now because, again, he kind of learns and meets us and realizes what we're about. Uh, but once they give us approval, you know, and allow us to do cool stuff like that, most other places are be like, well, if the USGA works with these guys, like how, how bad could they be? So right. uh, so that was big. And and, uh, and then we've just kind of had different kind of milestones along the way. Um, you know, I think our, our war with uh, old man golf media a year or so ago was big. Uh, because, you know, I think that was kind of inevitable that people are not going to be happy when, you know, younger, fresher faces come on the scene and start doing it their way. Uh, you could argue that in anything, in sports, in media, in, in any industry, in any profession in the world, that people are not going to be happy about that. So, you know, little milestones, little kind of uh, memorable events like that uh, have all kind of added to it, and, and here we are. So, 
you've gotten to a place now, this is a golf equipment podcast, so let's kind of bring it to sure. golf equipment. Um, so big now, you got a tailor-made deal. How did that come together, and what does that mean for you guys, and what are you hoping to do in the future with them? Yeah, well, for us, I mean, we're on camera playing golf. There's a lot of creatures out here in, in, <laughs> in Arizona, but we're on camera playing golf all the time, yeah. um, and a lot of people are watching. So um, for us, it made sense that, you know, you got to use, use equipment to play golf, and, and uh, it made sense that we should partner with somebody because people are asking all the time, you know, what's in the bag, Rene is going to do, what's in the bag video, what do you use in there, and we didn't really know much about it. I think the average golfer probably doesn't know a ton about equipment. Um, there's definitely equipment junkies out there, and it's a little bit like golf, whereas once you become an equipment junkie, you kind of get the bug, I think, yep. and you become obsessed with it. Um, Shout out to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Who, who all of them <laughs> listen in, exactly. They probably yeah. know. Like, yeah. they probably weren't into that equipment for very long or for a lot of their lives and then once you're into it it's the only thing you can think about so yep. um yeah right so for us it's uh it kind of started with that and um and you know looking at, at different companies that we thought we could partner with that could support us and we could support them and do good things for them and TaylorMade was just kind of a no-brainer um of a fit like the, the types of uh guys and girls that they work with from a professional level um, and just how, how far they've come with all of their equipment, um, with their, their drivers, their irons now, the new set of irons, P770s, I rock. Like I, okay. You know, I used to rock AP2s for about three or four years. And, I, and you know, they were, um, they were, and I had heard good things before, and I didn't dislike them, but I never, to me, I, it never felt um, significantly different, you know? And I was like, yeah, they're great. Like, they're fine, whatever. And the P770s that I got are the first, like, noticeably different irons for me where I just feel like the ball, the way it comes off, um, they, they look, you know, they look like I'm a real player when you look down at it, which is kind of that confident, like, oh, man, I'm using, like, a little bit of a bladey club <laughs> here. Um, but they've got some forgiveness to them, yep. um, which I need. I'm not a great iron player. Um, and when you do hit them well, you know, they hang in the air a little a little bit longer, come in a little bit softer. So, you know, like things like that that I've that I notice, again, as a – five six handicap um who kind of slaps it around that i'm like oh okay um and you know the the sim 2 which they they uh they obviously came out with at the beginning of this year and it's a good sign when all their players put it in the bag right away yep uh which they all did pretty much so um so yeah it's just been it's been uh cool to have a company like that you know behind us it's been cool to go to the kingdom and get uh, get dialed in and see what goes into it and did you do a full fitting at the full kingdom? fitting at the kingdom and it's man it's just it's heaven there it's it's heaven it yeah. is they give you just it's it's disneyland for golfers like walking <laughs> exactly into that right. place yeah. but it is stunning that they can you know you cannot change your golf swing at all and you know you can take three or four swings with a certain shaft or a certain club head um and you know you can hit a little bit of a, a snipey hook that's not really hanging in the air and you need, they're like no no don't change your swing at all and they'll tweak the shaft and tweak the and then you're just hitting like a beautiful high cut you know and it's like how how a, did you know to like change those things in particular? But, but the fact that technology has come that long, you know, that far, and equipment's come that far, it's just stunning to see. And you look at the numbers, like, yeah, no, you just needed a different shaft, and you needed to, you know, kind of get change your lie angle because you're coming in. The, and and the fact that they can actually do that, and and you just see the golf ball, right? It's one thing if somebody tells you on a simulator, and everybody's like, oh, they're juicing the numbers, whatever. Yeah. You know, you go watch a ball fly at the kingdom, and you're like, no, no, that golf ball is just flying a different way, and it's flying the closer to the ideal way, and it's just, it's very, very cool. It's easy to get caught up in. You're preaching the good word of fitting right there, Rex. <laughs> uh, I know you got a lot to do with the, the Let Them Play Classic. We're through 36 holes, one round left. Um, what, do you, what do you think so far? Has it been a success? Is it something that you're going to want to do going forward? Maybe put it on the NCAA schedule or something like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a massive success. Uh, and, and I think that that's very clear from just seeing the, the smiles on the faces of the players. Um, seeing them hang out with their, with their team, with their girls, with their best friends, their coaches, their parents. Uh, just being able to be here. I mean, even during the Wednesday practice round, you know, it was hard not to like get a little bit emotional because, you know, they're out there with with their team for the last time. They play little games against each other, and and uh, and they didn't think they were ever going to have that again. And even if yeah. they're not seniors, like you're never going to be with this team again, this particular team again. Um, and now here they are. They're on one last road trip. They get to go through their process again. They get to you know give each other a hard time again, chirp each other on the course, hit good shots, laugh, high five. Uh, you know, we had a couple hole outs yesterday, and there was a big celebration on 18 with Mississippi State girls. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, just that alone, I think it's made it a massive success. And, you know, I think if you combine kind of the power of our following and our audience um, with kind of the good-hearted nature of, of what this event is, um, there's a very good chance for success. So uh, as long as they buy in, you know, which has been huge, and I thank them kind of when I made quick remarks on Wednesday just that. It would have really sucked if we put on a tournament and nobody came. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. then you don't have a tournament. So yeah. One team shows up and yeah. just playing golf. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, a lot of the teams right away, some of their first questions were just like, who's, who's committed? Like, how many commitments do you have? You know, because mm -hmm. it's not a tournament if nobody comes to the tournament. So it was very flattering for us, I would say, that people wanted to come. Um, there's a lot of folks that could tweet at, you know, college women's golf teams and say, we're going to do a tournament. And they're like, yeah, okay, we're not coming to you. Like, why, what are you talking about? Um, that's pretty much what we did, and they yeah. were like, yeah, we're coming. So that's very flattering and cool that they showed up. So, yeah, so far I would say it's been a, a huge success, and we got perfect weather out here in Arizona, and uh, and they're getting ready to kind of hit the back nine and finish this thing up. So uh, the only thing that can make it better is kind of a, a dramatic ending. Let's hope for it. You know, it's one thing to start an uproar on social media. It's another thing to actually put together the event and make it happen, give these ladies a place to play. So on behalf of, you know, the golf world in general, I just want to say thanks. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you guys covering it. It's, uh, it's, it means a lot, and it means a lot to them, which is awesome. They, uh, you know, they're seeing their swings all over social media and yep. Twitter and Instagram, and they're tagging us, hoping we'll share them, and we are. Um, we've got our camera guys everywhere. we got drones in the sky, and, you know, we're, we're going to edit together a pretty cool video that we'll put out, you know, in the next week or two, showcasing it to as many people as we can. And, and we brought a photographer out here, who's Zach, who drove 30 hours from Cleveland, who's, uh, who I told to make sure, you know, uh, he asked, like, you got any orders in there? I said, the only thing I want is just make sure you get at least a couple photos of every person in the field. Yeah. We'll put all those in a link, and, and they'll kind of be able to pull up those photos and have them forever. So uh, so it means a lot that people are covering it because, you know, that means they're getting attention they don't usually get. Um, and if it means a lot to other people, which it does, it means a lot to them, uh, then, you know, that kind of makes anything that you do worth it. So it's a no-brainer. Doing a great thing, man. Riggs, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. And that'll do it for episode 92 of Fully Equipped. Thanks again to Riggs for the time. If you're looking for more gear news, you can always find us on social media. We're at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Appreciate you listening. See you next week.